You are listening to Hands at Work Audio. In this podcast, we're hearing the voice of George Snayman speaking on the foundation. He's speaking from the celebrations gathering in Zambia in April 2013. Okay, what a wonderful morning, amen? It's good to be together as a family, right? Do you also feel blessed to see all the people? Do you feel blessed to see all the people together? Yes. Yes. Now, I can feel the temperature have turned up a few degrees since we've had tea. Yes. So, as we dig deeper now, I want to encourage you to hang in with me and let us ask God to speak to us and to help us to understand Him. Okay? Let us help ask God to understand Him. Let us pray. Father, we know that for us to understand You, For us to understand your heart, we need to spend time with you. We know we cannot just walk in a meeting and say, speak to me, God. We know it's a relationship. So we pray that that relationship that you've nurtured in us in the last year, today, as we sit and we listen, we pray that you will speak. I submit my tongue to you, Lord. I submit everybody who listens ears to you. I submit our spirits to you. I submit our hearts that would be fertile ground. I pray that there will be no distractions, that we will be able to focus and concentrate and allow you to speak into our hearts. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room this morning. Please, Father, we ask you through your Holy Spirit, speak to us. Amen. At the heart, at the heart of God's story is God chasing you, hunting you to find you, to claim you, to give you a name and to bring you into his house. It started from the garden when we were chased out of the garden that there was a time that we were restless. And it is only God reconciling with us that can bring this back. God didn't just forgive us our sins. He adopted us into His household. And we are His sons and His daughters. When we were outside, without hope and without a home, Jesus brought us into his family. What Jesus did for us is the gospel. Just for a moment, consider again these words. Listen to them. For God so loved you that he gave his 
only son to be slaughtered, to be nailed like a criminal against a tree. Christ loved and pitied us when we were poor and he laid himself out for us. You know, I want to say only the things I wrote down because I believe every word, it is about why we do what we do. And if we don't understand it, we will never do it right. He gave it all to us while we were still lying in a field with no hope. Do you see yourself in 1 Samuel 2 verse 8? He raised the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap and made them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. We see in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, listen to these words as if for the first time. For you, you, you know grace of Jesus that though he was rich, he was rich, he became poor that you, when Jesus said, through if his you love poverty, the poor, you love me, could become rich. We see God identify clearly with the poor. Only Christians can tell how far their God went to identify with the poor. When God came to earth, he was born in a feed trough. His parents offered two pigeons at the temple, which was the lowest, lowest in the economical ladder. He was homeless, and he rode into town on a donkey. He voluntarily he voluntarily, he chose to become poor and to be oppressed, a victim of injustice. His arrest, his interrogation, the trial, all was a miscarriage of justice. Jesus did not suffer for us alone, but he suffered with us. He knew what it was to be under the lash. In a world of injustice, a God can only make sense when there's a cross. He was not immunized, immune against injustice. Today, there are millions of orphans in Africa without hope and without home. When we give orphans hope, when we bring them into our families, we act out the gospel of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I want to, especially those of us in Africa, as I'm continuing, I want you to critically look at your background, what you preach in church, what you hear Sunday after Sunday, what you believe about Jesus. 
Is it the same message I'm sharing today? Our God became voluntarily so poor that his parents had nowhere to sleep. He was a refugee in Africa. He chose that so that you can become rich. So the question begged to be answered. Today, when there are millions of orphans so poor and homeless, and all our big men with big shoes and big suits and big churches, do they represent the real Jesus? Jesus lived a perfect life, but he chose to die a sinner's shameful death for people like you and me. He left his throne room, and here on earth he had nowhere to lay his head, to call home. He did it so that if you belong to Jesus, you could have a home. Jesus plunged himself into our lives. He took it all and he threw everything he had to save us. We who deserve judgment received pardon. What he did for you and for me, that will get us to do justice. Not the fact that there are poor people. Not the fact that it's a nice thing to do. It will never keep you going. But what he did for you, nothing can stop you if you understand that. The beauty of what he did for you and for me. Now, we can love him just because of what he did. This will change our hearts and get us outside of ourselves. He said he was bringing a new kingdom. You know, other revolutions just amend certain things. But he said there's no amending taking place here. I'm bringing a new kingdom. So today, we see we live in a time when there are still two kingdoms. The one kingdom is called the right-side-up kingdom. Its core values is power and riches, comfort and love. The word love means to gloat. It means to boast about your achievements and to laugh at those others' misfortunes. The things that this kingdom hate are things like weakness and sacrifice and discomfort and grief and exclusion. It's called the right side up kingdom because it seems right to us. It is a power for now. When you think about it, it seems right. But Jesus says, if you choose these values to build on now, and your kingdom will crumble. Later on, you will be empty. A person who builds his life on these values will not, not, not be part of the eternal kingdom because you chose to be a citizen of another kingdom. Why would you and I value opposite values like weakness 
sacrifice. When Jesus showed up, the writing was on the wall for the old kingdom. Just like in Daniel 5. If you are living for yourself in your old kingdom, your kingdom is about to crumble. I think we see it worldwide at the moment. In Daniel we read this. The king had a feast and he drank from golden cups as they praised the gods of gold and silver and iron and wood and stone. Suddenly, fingers appeared and wrote on the wall, and the fingers said this, God has numbered your kingdom to put an end to it. You have been waited, and you were found wanted. The kingdom now. Let us look at the upside-down kingdom that Jesus came He didn't come to amend the right-side-up kingdom. He said, there's nothing I can fix on this thing. It must go. I can speak long to you about how Jesus clearly say, it will burn until there's nothing left of that kingdom. Nothing. But there's a new kingdom that's coming. A remarkable reverse of values. The things the world put as pitiable, we price. When it comes, we see its value. We don't just seek it, we price it. The pattern of this kingdom is the reverse values of the world. We make a choice not to embrace the old kingdom anymore. We turn our backs on that. It has no power over us anymore. All the way in a new kingdom, Jesus make a statement like this. He say, blessed are those who weep now. Not who laugh, who weep. Blessed, weep. How can he put it together? Blessed means deeply satisfied. How can you be deeply satisfied? Because you weep. It has nothing to do with circumstances. We are on a journey to the new Jerusalem. We are pilgrims of this world. We hold on to a promise, and it says this, Great is your reward in heaven. We understand there's no reward for us here. We don't seek rewards here. Paul say, when it comes, we cast it one side. We're looking for the day, the day. Paul writes about the day that that kingdom will be launched. We rejoice in the days that we are excluded. In Acts 7, Stephen looked up at the heaven and he said, I see the kingdom of God. A Christian understand the exclusion makes him welcome to God because he joined the revolutionist Jesus who was excluded. We are not controlled by world values anymore. We know our standing in heaven and that makes us do justice 
But Jesus taught us. He taught us so vividly. One of the things he taught us, the ministry of the bell and the towel to explain his kingdom. Through the simple act of washing feet, he demonstrated true greatness is found in spontaneous acts of serving others at their point of need. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Do you understand what he has done for them? Now that your Lord and your teacher have washed their feet, you need to do the same. He has set an example to us. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed, deeply satisfied if you choose to do them. Knowing the right thing and not doing it is as unacceptable as doing the wrong thing. Jesus operated contrary to the world's ways because he was a citizen of the new kingdom. The world is selfish, ambitious, proud, arrogant. But Jesus, we saw, operated in a spirit of humility. He was not serving. He was a servant. He became a servant in his attitude Choosing the way of the bowl and the towel, even at the night of his own betrayal, he had time to wash the feet of those who would deny him and betray him. The world say, get. The kingdom say, give. The world say, hang on. The kingdom say, surrender. The world say, hate. The kingdom say, laugh and forgive. The world say, greatness in position. The kingdom say, greatness in serving. The world say, self. The kingdom say, Christ and others. Let us take off our outer garment like Jesus and pick up the tools of a servant. Your, what must go for you to do that? Your personal agenda must go. Your own needs must go. Your will and your methods must go. Your pride and your reputation must go. Like those four friends who brought the, the paralyzed man into the house where Jesus was visiting, we need to lay down our own agendas and we need to pick up other people. And if it has to, we need to dig through the roof to get them to Jesus. We need to lay aside our own garments. Christ, by his redemption, brought us into a new relationship. It's a new kingdom with one another. We are now children of God in the same family. He's our Father. We've got one body. Galatians 6 verse 2 say, carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. If one member suffer, all of us suffer 
In fact, when He saw us in misery, He acted. How could we read these verses and not be shaken in our foundations? Does it bring better understand for our role in giving? How clear is it? And how exposed is our selfishness when we read this? 1 Corinthians 6.20 say, For you have been bought with a price. It cost him dearly. Brothers and sisters, that we can sit here today. Love, if it is love, requires connection, personal interaction, direct touch, practical action. Love is not sentimental at all. Love is not merely the feeling of connection. It is connection. It is not just a fleeting emotional flip, but a choice to do good where there's a real person in front of you. And that is why we are so often confused about love in these present times. We are experts in feelings, but not so good in practical and specific. David, after he had served his own generation, he fell asleep. Jesus himself said, I've glorified my Father by completing the work that he gave me to do. David served his own generation because he was a man after God's own heart. Those of a heart after God will always be motivated, always be motivated by faith, love and passion. A servant is genuine to the core. He has got no ulterior motives. He has nothing to prove and nothing to lose. His life is laid bare before God. He's not trying to gain acceptance or approval. He already has it. Jesus said, as my Father sent me, I sent you. How did Jesus operate? He was anointed. He was motivated by genuine love. Genuine love is proved that he does something that's costing you. We've spoken many times about us who are just stewards for donors. That's not genuine love. That is doing a job you get paid for. doesn't matter how much. It's not yours. There's going to be no reward for you in that. Nothing. If you think your reward is coming from that, you miss it. The reward comes when it comes from your storehouse. When it comes from your time, your talents, and your treasures, when you spend what is yours on behalf of others, when you are humble like the king, he was a servant and he laid down his life. Friends, too many of us enhance at work, and I take full responsibility for myself. We want to be enhanced, we love hands but God forbid you put me in a place where I don't want to be. Everybody needs to know what I'm doing and what my job is and what I'm good at. I want to tell you, you serve the kingdom that will crumble, you will walk away empty-handed, the fire will burn, you'll be saved, but you will smell like you've gone through a fire. You will have no reward for that because you acted in a worldly way. 
It is when you lay down what you're good at and you choose to pick up where there's a need, even though it is so against what you have. That's where the rewards come from. Sacrifice must be made in order to serve. We need to have the same attitude as Jesus. Willingly, willingly, He laid down His life for us, for you and me. Surrender is the language of a servant. Surrender is the language of a servant. We all know John 3.16 so well. For God so loved the world that He gave. How many of us quote 1 John 3.16 that say, we know that love is that God gave His own Son. Now, you and I need to lay our lives not give $20. We need to lay our lives down to be part of the new kingdom. If you, if you struggle to understand it, it's simple. In this life, in this world that you are in now, you cannot fit through that gate to get on a plane to the new kingdom. You cannot. It's impossible. You've got to be, you've got to die. And there must be a new creature. And through that, that person can fit through the gate. You cannot get through the gate in your kingdom now. William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army, was so passionate about people who don't know Jesus. But the thing that kept him awake at night and it will make him pray for days and days and days would be the people that think they know Jesus. It would be the people that think they're going to go to the kingdom. And how awful, awful day will it be that day when they discovered they never knew the real Christ. And they never entered through that gate. In the days of Nehemiah, when the destroyed city of Jerusalem was rebuilt, we heard about it this morning, everyone had a mind to work. Despite extreme hostility in this environment, there were no spectators, no casual bystanders, but all threw themselves fully into the task of rebuilding. We don't need people clapping hands for us and encouraging us. We need people to throw themselves into this. As a result, the grace of God was so big that the walls were rebuilt in 52 days. But they had a mind to work. And the Hebrew word for that is they had a heart to work. Brothers and sisters, if this work is not in your heart, in your heart, you will not be able to finish it. The first challenge that will come, you will run. It is only when this work is from God, like Audrey spoke and she said, the Lord said to her, Audrey, this is not a job, it's a calling. You've been set apart. It's in our heart that she can face what is coming. Naomi from Bethlehem, which means house of bread, was living in a famine and there was no food. So she fled and she became a refugee, a childless widow who buried 
all her sons. As she counts her burden and she thinks the Lord is against her, she said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Just call me Mara. The Lord has forgotten about me. The world and God has turned against me. How many people do we know like that? In Naomi's brokenness, Ruth saw a God worth trusting and worth following. Bethlehem, the house of bread. Naomi entered with no child and no hope. But Mary entered with a child and with hope for the world. There's always hope for the hopeless. Naomi has a home, but no hope. Mary arrived with hope, but had no home. Brokenness turned into beauty. If God, brothers and sisters, can use me in His kingdom, He can use anyone. Anyone. passion for children and for the poor comes out of my own pain and finding my rest at the feet of Jesus. Dealing with the shame of my culture, dealing with the shame of my own life before I found Christ, dealing with the shame of my feebleness and cowardness, condemned me, a stone around my neck, no hope. Surely, if there was one tribe, one gender, one age, in the face of this history of this world, it was despised and condemned, it was mine. And God say, I can use him. I can do something. Now my question to you is do you think that you are actually not too bad? And you come from a culture that's not too bad and you actually have done a few good things so it makes sense that God can use you. I want to say to you you don't know Jesus. You've never met him. When you meet Jesus you will see your pitch black, stinking, filthy, rotten heart in the joy of the Son of God. And in the deepest pain that you can ever experience at that foot of the cross, you will start, start to find healing. And as you walk that journey, you will find yourself constantly crossing the road, reaching out. And every time you touch a shock runs through your arm into your spirit because you remember how you were touched when you were in a much worse place than this person in front of you. Terrible things happen to children when they are second-rate citizens, emotionally and spiritually scarred, thinking, I must be horrible and God hates me. But we will protect those children. 
we will be fighting for them with no voice. There's another voice speaking to them. And that voice is saying to them, just give up. We will fan the little bit of hope that there is in this vulnerable child until the child is restored. Something Satan intended for evil, God instead will use for leverage for good. You've got to understand the reality. Soon, for some of us, very soon, we are going home and there will be no more pain and tears. Can you imagine running into the arms of your Redeemer and your Savior? And then when He wipes the tears off your eyes, He can also wipe the sweat off your brows. Which kingdom do you build? When you think about your future international volunteers, who calls the shots? Which kingdom? My African brothers and sisters, you are pastors. Which kingdom do you build a church for? There are many, many churches built that will burn in fire and there will be nothing left. Your whole life will be wasted for nothing. Unless you can proclaim the Lord, I shared with you this morning, the one who lost everything so that you can have something. I know too many men and women of God that stink of pride and arrogance in their knowledge of Jesus. I want to tell you, you're an embarrassment to Him. Nobody cares how many verses you can rattle off. Satan knows every verse in the Bible. He cares if you look like the Son of God, humble, washing feet, gentle in heart. That's what matters. So the world is always ready to condemn. And people that do the work that we do become specialists. I'm closing with this. They become specialists on how to manipulate people to give more. Because as long as the funding comes, we can keep going. I ask God that when the, the following of Christ stop in hands, that He will close every donor on us. So there are certain pictures or images that people can look at and it can drive them to, to guilt and they will throw a few bucks on the table. But the same picture can paint a completely different story. I want you to look at this picture. Those of you that cannot see, I don't know if you can, here in the front is a child with her head in the sand. She was busy dying of hunger. Behind is a vulture waiting to eat her. This is a real photo. It was taken in Somalia. Many people have looked at that photo and felt guilty to give. 
we better do something. I want to give you another picture. I want to look at that picture and I want to say, with a broken heart and with fire in my eyes and with anger that pump in my veins, I want to say, this is my father's daughter and she is my sister. And together, we're going to do something about it. We're going to bring her home where she belongs. And I don't care what it takes because I understand that that's a picture of my life. And suddenly, in that pain picture, as I think of the gratefulness that dwells up in my spirit, that the vulture did not get hold of me, but that somebody picked me up, washed me, called me by name, put me in his house, and he said, I want you to bring them in, one by one. I can look at the picture like that, and I can burst into worship. I can sing a song to my father. And as I close here, I want you to sing the song with me. Choose your kingdom. Ask your Lord. Do you know this, Jesus? My heart wants to explode right now with my father's love. with the privilege that I have to, to have a meaningful life where I can choose to be corrupt or not corrupt, where I can choose to care or not to care, where I can choose to be selfish or not to be selfish. And I've made my choices. And by God's grace, I will walk in them. because of this Son of God. Do you know that Jesus? The prophet said today is the day of salvation. It's not for you and I to choose. When he speaks and he cuts through our callous hearts, let us respond. May the love of our Father rest deeply on you as you choose His kingdom, as you are brave and courageous, ruthless, choosing the right options, even when your flesh screams and squeals and your culture say you're extreme and your culture say, but this is not needed. You stand your ground because your culture cannot understand, because they don't understand the new kingdom. Together with our older brother, we're going to bring glimpses of hope of this new kingdom in villages where the hell of Lucifer is in total control. We are going to take what comes our way because every time we are excluded and every time we are misunderstood, we say, thank you, Lord. What a privilege to be with you. His kingdom 
Let his kingdom come. Let his will be done. In your life, in my life, as it is in heaven. And great will be that day. That day. When the Son of Man will come like a lightning. And he will come to fetch us. For now, be strong. Amen. Thank you for joining us. www.handsatwork.org <laughs>